You know, we love basketball. In fact, here's a picture of an NBA game with uh, the L.A. Lakers, the Orlando Magic. Well, I'm, look at number 12 there for the Lakers. I don't know who he is, but look, he like, looks like he's seven feet off the ground. I don't know how he jumped that high. Kobe Bryant's over there on the left, flat-footed. I guess he's waiting to play offense. You know, that's what he wants to do. He doesn't care about the defense anyway. But we love basketball, NBA, college basketball. The ladies play as well. This is a picture from a WNBA game. You boys and girls love to play basketball. You played here at another level of basketball this year. But you know, when I looked in the Bible, I couldn't find a single verse about basketball. That may surprise you, but I don't think it does since uh, basketball was invented in the 1800s and the Bible's been around a lot longer than that. So, this may not surprise you though, the Bible does talk about sports. And the Apostle Paul talks about sports in book 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now if you have your Bible, you can turn there. I also have all the words to the verses on the screen so you can read them there. But Paul talks about sports. Now, the sports he's talking about are a little bit different than ours, but not too much different. He was writing his letter to the church that was in Corinth. Corinth was near Isthmia, where they had games that were much like the Olympic Games. In fact, they were second only to the Olympic Games. And so, athletes would train to be in the Games every two or three years. The premier event was the stadium race. It was about 200 yards, so look, we have the 100-yard dash, now it's a 100-meter race, but they had a 200-yard race. And so obviously this is a reenactment, they didn't have cameras then to take a picture of it, but it's a reenactment made it would have been like an ancient Corinth to see runners running in a race. So Paul, when he talks about athletics and about running in a race, wants to tell us how we can run in our race of life. And that's what I want to share with you today. And so here are the verses. They're in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 24. He says, Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. However, they do it to receive a crown that will fade away, but we a crown that will never fade away. Therefore, I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. The first thing I want to tell you about this race is that this race that Paul's talking about is a race that Christians run in. He's not talking about the race of life in general. We sometimes think about our life like a race. and At times it feels like we're barely moving. Or we think about maybe we're at the end of our life. And our race is almost over. But he's not talking about just the race of life in general. He's not talking about the race to get to heaven either. He's not talking about what we can do so that we can get to the finish line. And then we go into heaven being victorious. No, he's talking about people who are already Christians and how they are running their race, their Christian race. So I want to explain to you this morning what it even means to be a Christian. 
Because if you are not a Christian, then what Paul talks about in running this race it doesn't have any meaning to you. So this morning, if you've got a bulletin, you notice in the bulletin there is an insert in it. It has a sermon summary. That's so that you can follow along with what I'm teaching this morning. Sometimes people like to see how much longer it is before I'm done. And that's why they look at it. Uh, but also, really, the reason I give it to you is so that you can take it home and that you can read, reread the verses. You can study it more during the week. Uh, and so I know a lot of people like to take notes, but they don't like to write. And so you get all the notes without having to write. But you'll also notice on the other side, there is some bad news and there's some good news. And so what I want to share with you first, before we look at the race and we look at how the athletes trained, is I want you to know what it means to be a Christian. And so right there, I'm not going to read it to you, I'm not going to read all the verses to you, but it shares this very simple truth. The bad news is this, that heaven is a perfect place, and only perfect people go there. And this is why this is a problem, because none of us are perfect. I have never heard another person ever say they were perfect. And so we all know that we're not perfect, but heaven's a perfect place and only perfect people can go there. That's a big problem if we want to go to heaven. In fact, what the Bible tells us is that we're all sinners. We're all disobedient. God tells us to do something, we don't do it. God tells us to do something, we don't do it. Or he tells us not to do something, and we do do it. And it gets worse. The bad news also tells us that because we do wrong and disobey God and are sinners, that the penalty for that is death. That is why we die. But death is more than our physical body dying. It's dying and being separated from God and being separated from Him forever. That is the penalty for being a sinner. So that's pretty bad news and it gets worse when you realize there's nothing we can do to fix it, to make up for it. We think sometimes we can do enough good things to make up for the bad things we do. That doesn't make us perfect though, does it? It just makes us a bad person who also does good things. There's not enough... Things we can do, there's not a prayer that we can say, there's not a thing that we can do that's going to change who we are and make us perfect. So there's nothing we can do to get into heaven, and that's where the bad news can't get much worse than that. We're not perfect, but heaven is. We're sinners, we deserve to die and be separated from God, in fact, separated from Him in hell forever. But this is the good news Jesus proclaimed it. His apostles proclaimed it. And Christians have proclaimed it for almost 2,000 years now. The good news is this. Jesus is perfect because he's God. And Jesus died in our place. We were supposed to die, but he died. And because he died for us, our sins can be forgiven. And we can be made perfect and declared perfect by God. And so Jesus died for us. He shed his blood on the cross, and because of that, our sins can be forgiven. And he gives us a gift of eternal life that he offers to us. And he says that the way that you receive that gift is to believe. So this is the great news. This is the good news. Jesus died for us. He rose again to life, and he offers to us eternal life. He offers to us the forgiveness of our sins, and he offers to us a relationship with him forever. And that is how we become a Christian. That's how we go to heaven. It's by believing that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. It's by trusting in him and him alone. It's not 
trusting in ourselves to get to heaven. It's not trusting in a religion. It's not trusting in another God. Jesus and Jesus alone. So when we do that, we accept his gift. And then we're saved. We're saved from hell. We're saved from our sin. We're saved from a worthless life. And we're giving, given new life. And we become a Christian. So I want you all to know that that can be you today. If you have never believed in Jesus as your Savior, never put your faith in Him as your Savior, you can do so right now. And then you will be a Christian. And what Paul says now to Christians will be what he wants to say to you. I would hope that everybody who leaves here today would know for certain that they're a Christian and know for certain that they're going to heaven because of what Jesus has done for them. With that said, now we can look at the race. And the race, the Christian race, that Paul is talking about begins with this verse that summarizes what I just shared with you, the gospel, the good news. God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Paul says to run to win the prize. Here is the trophy that's given to the NBA team that wins the NBA Finals, the champion. Last year, it was the Golden State Warriors. Any Warriors fans in here? Right, there we go. We got some. Probably some Steph Curry fans, right? I don't know why he didn't go to Virginia Tech. That still bugs me. You know, I saw his dad play at Virginia Tech. And anyway, I digress, Okay. Anyway, this is the trophy, the Larry O'Brien trophy. It's not as uh, noticeable, recognizable maybe as the Lombardi trophy that the NFL team gets for winning the Super Bowl, but this is the prize that everyone who plays in the NBA is wanting to win. They know at the end of the season if they play hard and they win enough games, they will have this trophy. Now, the people who were in Paul's day, when they ran the races and they won the events, this is what they got. They got a wreath of celery. I didn't even know you could make celery into a wreath. I just thought you put peanut butter on it. But obviously you can also make it into a wreath. Or sometimes they used pine. Now how many of you uh, girls and boys this morning, if you did something great at school or you did something great on your basketball or sports team, and all they gave you was a piece of celery. I mean, how many of you would be excited about that? I, I, don't, I know I wouldn't be. But that's all, they did all that training and everything just to get some celery. That was their prize, okay? So whether it's the NBA trying to get the trophy or it's the ancient athletes trying to get the celery, that was the prize that they were going for. Well, what prize are Christians going for? Have you ever thought about that? Christians get a prize. Paul talks about it here. He says those runners in that race, they get a wreath of celery. But he says our crown lasts forever. Jesus talks about storing up treasure in heaven. Because if we store up treasure here on this earth, money can be stolen. Houses can burn down. Moths can go into your closet and eat up your clothes. Rust can turn your nice car into just a heap of garbage. The treasures on this earth crumble, they fall away, they fade away. But Jesus says the rewards we put into heaven, they last forever. 
So he says, store them up there. Paul also talks about how we are earning our reward when we are doing good works and when we're building up the kingdom of God. When we do that, then we earn rewards. If you're a Christian, I don't know if you ever thought about this, that the prize that we have at the end of our life that we're working for is not our salvation. Jesus did that for us. Again, this race isn't racing so that we can earn our salvation. Jesus did that for us. He gave it to us as a gift. We received it. But as we live our Christian life, we are trying to gain the prize, earn the prize, win the prize. When we are judged, God is going to look at our good works. Think about all the good works we do as Christians. Uh, we give or we, we teach or we help others. When we do them with love and we do them for the glory of God, when we have the right motive and the right purpose, God rewards us for that. Paul says it's like on the judgment day, it will be like God takes all of our rewards and he throws them into a fire. And then the things that aren't any good, they burn up. But the things that are worthy, they will last forever. In fact, I think this is the greatest reward that we may hear. This is a verse that Jesus tells us when he talks about a parable, about a, a master who gave some money to his servants. And those servants, two of the three, used that money to make more money. And when the master came back and saw that they had made more money, he said this, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Christian, can you imagine on that day when all your works are thrown into the fire and they're burned up and some of them are refined and come out like gold and you hear from Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. And notice here, it wasn't just a well done, good job. It was more responsibility. It was a reward. So I don't know how it's all going to work. I mean, everybody in heaven is going to be the happiest you can ever be. It's going to be the perfect place it can ever be. So I don't know how some people are going to have more rewards than others. And we're not going to be jealous, but I know we won't be. Because jealousy is a sin. There's no sin in heaven. So I don't know how it all works. I don't know how all the rewards are and how they exactly come to be. But we have this promise that if we do good works, we will be rewarded. So Christian, use that as a motivation. That's not a wrong motivation to use to serve God and to do good works. Paul says if you're going to run the race, run it to win the prize. Don't just run it to run it. Go for it. So that's the first thing he tells us. He also says to race with purpose. It's one thing to know that NBA trophy's out there, but could you imagine an NBA team that just said, well, we're going to get it. Well, we hope we're going to get it. We're praying that we're going to get it, uh, but oh, we're not going to do anything. You know, We don't have any plans or practice or plays or anything like that. We're just going to get it. That would be silly, wouldn't it? They all have a purpose. They have a plan of what they're going to do to get them there. Maybe some of you know this basketball player, Larry Bird. Now, I have to apologize for the short shorts that he's wearing, okay? But that was the style back in the late 70s into the 80s. And I have to admit, and my wife Sarah could attest to this, I used to have a pair of white short shorts, okay? But I'm just saying, 
Don't try to visualize it. I know it's scary. I'm just saying that's, that was the style. That's my excuse. And notice the tube socks, too. They go all the way to the knee. And it was always, I had those, too. The big thing was the colors at the top. You know, you had to have the right colors. That was part of the uniform. So now it all looks silly. But that was the style back then. But notice uh, him shooting a free throw here. Uh, Larry Bird has said on many occasions that when he was in school, before he went to school, he would shoot 500 free throws. Every morning before school, 500 free throws. Now, if I was, that would take me a week to make 500 free throws. So I'm sure he was better at it. He'd probably do it in an hour or so. But that was the purpose, the determination. He wanted to win, but he knew he had to have a plan and do something to win. He wasn't just going to sit around and he was going to win. So that's what Paul's saying. You have to have a purpose if you're going to win. Paul's purpose was that everybody he came in contact with, they would become a Christian. That was the purpose of his life. I have become all things to all people so that I may be, excuse me, so that I may by every possible means save some. That was what Paul did. Everything he did had a purpose. In fact, he says, I'm not just boxing the air. No boxer gets into the ring and just starts punching around. Oh, look at me, I'm boxing and that's not going to get them anywhere. And he said, I don't run aimlessly. Can you imagine if uh, in the Olympics they got up to the line And then they start running off into the stands and running into the infield and just running all over the place. That's just aimless. That's like how you're going to get to the prize. Now, I know in some little league teams, especially baseball season, that's sort of what it's like. I mean, I know I've I've been a coach. Those kindergartners sit out in the outfield and play with the clover and dig in the dirt. And so, you know, so for them, they are kind of aimless. But they learn, okay? But Paul's point is you're not aimless. You have a purpose, His was to bring as many people to Jesus as he could. The other purpose he stated in 1 Corinthians 10 was this, that everything that any Christian does should bring glory to God. So when you live your Christian life and you're running the race, focus on the prize, the reward, the crown, but run with purpose, knowing that everything you do should bring glory to God and bring more people to know Jesus. That's running the race with purpose. But he also says to run it with discipline. Think about this. Every athlete has a special diet, has exercise plan, training plan, they have practice. Any successful athlete, I should say, anyway. In fact, in the old days, even the professional athletes, uh, once the season was over, they just didn't bother. You know, so they would, they would eat whatever they want. they throw out all the exercise and the training. That's why they needed the preseason, because they had to all get back into shape. But nowadays, athletes every day, the whole year, are making sure they eat the right things, they exercise enough, they train, and they run plays so that they are ready for the game. Paul says to do the same thing in our life. Here, I, I was kind of knocking Kobe Bryant earlier, But here's another picture of him. He's the only NBA guard to play for 20 years in the NBA. The only one. It's unusual for a guard to play that long. For one reason, they're always running up and down the court. You know, it's not like some of the big guys. Some of the big guys kind of walk. You know, they're down at the end of the court. 
Then they walk down to the other end. You know, they just, the rest of the team catches, they wait to the, you know what I mean. That's just how they do it. But a guard is up and down running all the time. Also, a guard has to be very quick. And you can imagine why younger athletes would be quicker than the older ones. And so their, their careers don't last that long. But he didn't. And also, he set a record for doing it with one team. The L.A. Lakers is the only team he played for. So imagine the discipline it took for him to keep his body in shape, to keep his skills tuned, to be able to play 20 years in the NBA. That's the kind of discipline that Paul is talking about. If you're a Christian, you probably never thought about discipline as part of being a Christian. Most of us, discipline is a dirty word because we think of treadmill, and we think of a special diet, we think about uh, having to do things that we don't want to do, giving up things we do want to do. How can that be enjoyable? How can that be beneficial? When we're talking about the Christian life, it's not about treadmills and about diets. Really, if you want to keep it very simple, it's about two things, although I've got a list of more than that, and that is to read your Bible and to pray. If you're a Christian, you read your Bible every day, you memorize it, you think about it, you meditate on it, even better, you do what it says. That will keep your mind sharp, your soul sharp, it will keep you ready for action. And so I know reading every day, praying every day, we don't feel like it, but I know Larry Bird didn't feel like shooting 500 free throws some days. I know Kobe Bryant felt like eating a big cheeseburger some days instead of eating the stuff he was supposed to to keep his body fit. So we don't do it because we feel like it. We do it because we know that if we discipline our bodies and discipline our spiritual life, then we will be ready and we will be prepared and we will be spiritually in tune to God and ready to do his work. Here are some other ones, fasting or worshiping, serving, giving, evangelizing. You could add more to it. The point is this, that we as Christians should have a regular set spiritual discipline that we are doing daily or regularly so that we don't get lazy or we lose our compassion or we lose our passion for God or we become molded into the world. That can easily happen if we're not laser-focused and disciplined in our Christian life. And finally, this is the last one. We want to race, to stay in the race. You know this, everyone who competes in an athletic event doesn't always finish the event or receive the prize they thought they should have. Some of them get disqualified. You probably never saw this race or heard about it, or if you did, you forgot about it because it was over 10 years ago. But in Beijing in 2008, in the 200-meter race, Wallace Spearman was disqualified. When he got to the end of the race, he looked up at the screen, and he saw third place, he saw his name, he saw his time. He was celebrating. He'd won the bronze medal at the Olympics. But then very quickly afterward, by his name was a, the big letters DQ. It didn't stand for Dairy Queen. All right? It was disqualified. And here's the proof. Can you see his toe is on the white line? In the 200 meters, you have to stay in your lane. And that means inside the white line. Anything on the line or outside the line disqualifies you immediately. 
Can you imagine being him? All that training, all of that work he did, uh, that strict diet, the exercising, the training, all of that for years to be disqualified because his toe was over the line. And so Paul tells us that we as Christians need to be careful too because we can be disqualified. The way we're disqualified really is when we allow sin in our lives to weigh us down and to keep us focused on what God wants us to do. I love this verse in Hebrews 12. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. If you've ever done any running, whether it's a race or just for fun, I don't know anyone who runs for fun, but I guess you could, or you run for exercise. Every runner wants to be as light as possible. If they could make the shoes out of paper, they would, but they don't stand up very good. But the shoe is very light. Uh, the the uh, shirt that's worn is very light and tight to the body, even to stop wind resistance. The shorts are short, but not as short as Larry Bird's, okay? So they keep the material Less, the less you weigh, the faster you will run. Could you imagine someone going to a race and they put on big, heavy hiking boots and then they put on some big, heavy work, maybe some welding pants. Okay, let's put those on. They got a big, fat, down jacket that someone would wear in the Antarctic. They put that on. And then they put on a backpack that's got 50 pounds of rocks in the back. And they have a utility belt that's got water and granola and maybe cheeseburger. I don't know. It's all this stuff on there. And now they're going to run the race? You would laugh at them. What a joke. You're not going to get a foot. You may get a, a 10 yards. You're going to pass out from all the heat and all that clothes you're wearing. You're going to be so slow because you're way down. And that's what the writer of Hebrews tells us. How can you run the Christian race... If you've got so much sin that's weighing you down. So confess it. Get rid of it. And then you'll be free to run the race. To go for the prize. So these are Paul's words to us. To run the race, we've got to keep our eye on the prize. We've got to run with purpose. We've got to be disciplined. And we have to remain in the race and not be disqualified. If we do that, we will hear from our Lord one day. Well done, good and faithful servant.